increasing numbers of journalists around the world pay the ultimate price with their life for their work in search of truth to expose corruption or to change the status quo but to assassinate a journalist especially women in Kuwait was a shock to the society the way it happened and why it happened and the final chapter that brought closure to this assassination Hidayah Sultan al-Salim was born in 1936 a prominent member of the al-Sabah family the ruling family in Kuwait she went into regular education at that time which consisted of a teacher in a house a lady teacher teaching girls Quran and some mathematics which ended at the age of 15 when she was married that did not stop her passion for writing and literature she worked as a teacher the sixth woman teacher to teach girls at regular schools she started writing articles in the Egyptian and Lebanese newspapers by 1961 she started writing in the Kuwaiti magazines and newspapers she wrote more than four books about various subjects in 1970 she bought a magazine a weekly magazine called Al Majalis which is roughly translated to where people sit and talk about various issues she became the editor in chief in the magazines she talked about various subjects literature politics community and she was an advocate of women rights and their rights to vote in the Kuwaiti parliament during her work in the magazine she interviewed a lot of important presidents and people She interviewed Jamal Abdel Nasser, the Egyptian president, Sheikh Zayed, the Emirate president, Hosni Mubarak, the other Egyptian president, members of Al-Sabah family in Kuwait, and many other important personals, women and men. During the seven months occupation after the Iraqi invasion, she played a big role in resisting the occupation. although it was very dangerous for her because she was from al-sabah ruling family which the iraqis were rounding up as much as they can in the first days she organized demonstration with other women against the invasion and then after that she organized a pamphlet that she circulated around kuwait with other women by using a copy machine a very very dangerous affair in that time if the iraqis found out and they actually in many occasion almost find out about her the consequences would have been severe very severe on the 20th of march 2001 she was in her car driven by her driver on her way to a conference about influence in arabic women in culture they stopped at a traffic light A man wearing Kuwaiti traditional dress got out of his car, approached them, then he produced a gun 
and shot her six times through the glass window. Three of them hit her in the chest and the head. Then the man calmly returned to his car and drove off. She was pronounced dead at arrival in the hospital. When the news of the shooting was published in a small country like Kuwait, everybody was shocked. It was who was shot, a member of the royal family, the sex of the victim, a woman, and her occupation, a journalist, a prominent activist in women rights and against the corruption in the government. Among the suspects were her own son. He was brought in and questioned because she fired him from his editorial job in the magazines days before and everybody noticed the fight that ensued that. Other suspects were some workers at the same magazines which she fired after not paying them for months. A month before she was killed, her newspaper was vandalized. A lot of people said that the workers did that because she did not pay them. Reports surfaced fueled by Al Jazeera news channel broadcasting from Qatar insinuating that she was killed for political motivations. Hidaya always wrote in her newspapers for years about the government corruption at the highest level. Because she was from Al-Sabah ruling family, it gave her some freedom, some leeway to talk and write about the corruption. And she wrote in her newspaper that the Ministry of Interior did not investigate seriously the looting of her newspaper because of what she wrote about the corruption in the government and the Ministry of Interior. Her driver, when questioned, said he was in a state of shock. He was trying to hide after he heard the bullets and didn't really have a good look at the shooter. Some eyewitnesses at the scene said that they saw the man stepped out of a Nissan petrol that had two colors, red and gold. One of them managed to notice the first numbers of the car, 13. The police searched for every Nissan petrol that had those two colors and the number 13, and they found out one that belonged to a lieutenant colonel in the Ministry of Interior. He reported it stalling a day before. After an extensive search, they found the car parked in front of one of the houses. The car was seized and three brothers that lived in the house was taken in for questioning. During questioning, it was found out that they were the three brothers of the lieutenant colonel that reported the car stolen. Not long after that, the lieutenant colonel Khalid al-Azmi came in and confessed that he committed the crime. Almost one year before she was killed, Hidayah wrote an article in it, and I must do an exact translation of what she wrote. Quote, I remember when I was 15, we used to go to weddings, and we used to bring some dancers 
that lived outside of the wall of the city from Al-Awazim neighborhood. They used to dance with some sexual overtones. End of quote. Al-Azmi tribe was in an uproar. Many members of the tribe consider this an insult to the tribe, desecrating the honor of the tribe women. Al-Azmi tribe is a big tribe in Kuwait, around 15% of the population. Nine to eight members of parliament are always represented in Kuwaiti parliament. They were one of the founding members of Kuwait. They were living in Bobian Island, north of Kuwait, before the arrival of Al-Sabah family that established the Emirate of Kuwait in 1756. Their voice was loud and respected. Hidayah retracted and wrote in an article that was not at all her intention, and she has the highest respect for the tribe. Clearly, she wrote that they brought the girls from a place that they lived in. They lived in Al-Azmi neighborhood, not that they were Azmis. Khalid Al-Azmi confessed that he killed her because what she wrote in that article a year back. He killed her to defend Al-Azmi tribe honor. Using his government-issued gun, forensic evidence prove that the bullets used in the crime came from the same gun. In solidarity, members of Al-Azmi tribe, even from Saudi Arabia, gathered and contributed more than 70,000 KD to defend Khalid. Members of his family and other members of Al-Azmi tribe asserted that Khalid could have not committed this crime. He was a lieutenant colonel in the Ministry of Interior with a bright future, a committed man, a Muslim man that just came from Hajj pilgrimage. His confession must have been coerced. He saw his three brothers in jail and he confessed so they can get out of jail and get out from suspicion that they did the crime. That was his defense during the trials. Although in his initial confession, he said that he did not commit the crime with premeditation. He did not prepare for the crime. That day, by coincidence, he saw her parked in the traffic light, which made his blood boil. He got out and he shot her. He said that knowing that one of the requirements for capital punishment is premeditation and preparation. He changed all that and he said that he did not confess. He confessed under coercion during the trials. In February 2002, Lieutenant Colonel Khalid Al-Azmi was convicted in the criminal court killing Hidayah Sultan As-Salim, sentenced to death by hanging. The sentence was upheld by the court of appeal, but the sentence was reduced 
to life imprisonment by the Kuwaiti Court of Cassation. During the trial, the prosecution said that Khalid went to Hajj not because he is a good devoted Muslim man. He went to Hajj so he can finish his five requirements to be a Muslim. He knew one of the consequences of the crime that he could be sentenced to death. He wanted to meet God with all the requirements he had to do being a Muslim. He actually committed the crime while he was still in the Hajj vacation. The government grant any government employee 10 days of vacation so he can perform Hajj and come back. He committed the assassination during that vacation, right after he came from Hajj and before he went back to his work. Also, he was a police officer. His job was upholding the laws and protecting the citizens. Community trust and legitimacy of the police can be strained in the community, especially to use the gun that was issued to you by the government, which is very scarce in Kuwait, to commit your crime. In a matter of fact, the laws of the tribes, now and before in the old times, the magnanimity and chivalry prevents you from killing women, fighting with women, even on the battlefield let alone a defenseless woman. That was the events that shook the Kuwaiti community, the assassination and still the only assassination of a journalist, a woman journalist, as a consequence for an article she wrote in a magazine. Hold on. Don't go away yet. This is not the end. This is not the closure of this case. A man gets life imprisonment for his crime. What happened after that is still talked about today. And it is recorded in the book Guinness of Records. After 18 years in jail, ads came out in the newspapers in social media, on TV, to start a campaign to collect blood money. Blood money, the Azmi tribe would pay for the family of Hadaya al-Sultan so Khalid al-Azmi can get out of jail. Blood money is a practice that was used even in the old ages, in the days of the Vikings even, to pay the families of a victim blood money to stop the circle of revenge and wars between tribes. The killer would pay the blood money and all will be forgotten. Islam came and regulated and put laws for the blood money. Blood money is only paid for a manslaughter that occurred by accident. Let's say a car accident. You hit somebody on the street. It was not your intention, it was only by mistake. Then blood money, an amount that the heirs of the victim agree on, should be paid by the accuser. But this blood money is severely abused. 
Now they use it in all cases, even in cases of intentional killing. The tribe or the family get together and they all contribute to an amount set by the victim's heirs. They go and pay them and then they go to the courts and they drop their rights and the killer is set free. So it was not uncommon for the heirs of Hidayah Sultan al-Salam to ask for blood money. But it happened after 18 years of Khalid being in jail. It should have happened right away. Well, Hidayah Sultan's heirs asked for 1 billion KD in the beginning. 3.25 billion dollars. For example, the Kuwaiti government set the blood money for a car accident, for example, around 15,000 KD, around 48,900 dollars. It was not uncommon for blood money to reach 50,000 KD, 100,000 KD, 150,000 KD. Hidayah's family is rich. They certainly did not need the money. They probably set that amount as an obstacle and for their opinion that they did not want to forgive their mother's killer. It seems that the negotiation to reduce the blood money was ongoing and they were under a lot of pressure to reduce the amount. They finally capitulated and they agreed on 10 million KD, 33 million dollars. That amount is certainly staggering. A lot of people did not believe anyone should be paid that amount to get out of jail for a crime he committed. Even the blood money idea had some resistance. It's like a license to kill. Kill and pay, they'll set you free for murder. You could collect much smaller amounts and set a lot of people out of jail. People that were there because they wrote bad checks, women that they wrote checks because their husbands fooled them, many many criminals, you could set them free, you could send that money to help a lot of hungry people. You can accomplish a lot of charity work with such an amount, not to use that outrageous amount to set a killer free. Nevertheless, Al-Azmi tribe pitched a tent, a huge tent, and had a huge campaign to collect the money, 10 million KD. After all, Khalid was one of their sons and he committed the act to defend the honor of all the Azmi tribes. They managed to collect that amount in one day. Members of Al-Azmi tribe from across the border helped it was expected, if not required, for each to pitch his share. People from outside the tribe even contributed to the blood money. It is to date the highest amount paid for blood money. Khalid was released on May 30th, 2019. He was received as a hero's welcome and big celebrations. In 2001, when Hidayah was assassinated, there were 51 journalists 
killed around the world. In 2019, when Khalid was released, there were 49 journalists assassinated or killed around the world.